What up? This is Dart Adams, and this is episode 32 of Dart Against Humanity. So I've been busy working on projects, things that I cannot openly discuss until they're finalized and announced, or even if they materialize, what have you. And it's not a matter of me wanting to not do something because I don't want to jinx it. It's just a matter of until something is actually going to happen and materialize and it's official, I'm not going to mention it. It's the same thing I did when we when I was writing the um or we were finishing up the the complex piece about um best producer every year. As I told you, it was a process that began way back before I even started this particular podcast, which is in in the second season, is it a stretch run in stretch run? So I didn't want to say anything until it was actually done and ready to go. Same thought process. So since I've been working on that, I have had what, like an eight or nine day span between doing episodes of this podcast. And when I started the podcast, I initially said that I wasn't going to apologize for having long waits in the podcast. Because when I can record an episode is when I record an episode. And if I don't record an episode, if anything, you go back and catch up to all the episodes I've done before. Since I, on average, I've done an episode every five days. And nothing pissed me off more than when YouTubers or other people on um, social media apologize for long for long breaks and nine days is not a f- fucking long break it just isn't matter of fact if you go back and you search something that i've always discussed on the podcast before there's been um a lot of people who do work in social media that have been burned out because they just didn't feel that creatively or emotionally they had anything left they were pretty much drained and exhausted You can burn out. And in a creative field, especially that you're in danger of that. Uh, One of the things that I have is I have a deep well of ideas and projects and potential ideas and things that have never come close to materializing or if they did they fell through and if I ever get my foot in the door and get the opportunity I'm going to hit the ground running and be able to start and finally make some of these things happen now imagine that you're a young person and you're asked to come up with things on the spot now 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 and then you have to tailor it to what's going on or what's hot now I don't have that problem a lot of shit that I'm coming up with and I'm I'm trying to make happen are things that I've been in the works for 10, 15 years. Things I've been researching for years. I have already done a lot of the footwork. So if someone's like, hey, want to do this? Cool. All I got to do is pick up one of the 50 fucking folders that I have in my room. I'm going to drop one on the table now. And I have a thick ass folder full of research and paperwork and stuff that I've updated over the years for no reason because I don't sleep just in case the opportunity comes up. And lately, I've got 
a couple calls and a couple opportunities and I've pulled out some of those fucking folders and I've hit the ground running. But the thing is that since I don't sleep and I work constantly and I'm doing all this stuff, but I've already put, I've already laid down the groundwork beforehand and I've updated it over, over the years, just in case it happens, I'm prepared for it. Therefore, I'm not in danger of burnout. Even though I will tell you that I will now sleep. Because it's unprofessional to show up at things tired. But to give you an, but just to let you understand something about my process and how my brain works, which is I think something that I often have to like really explain to people, because I guess I, I'm a unique case. Like if you've ever had a conversation or seen me have a conversation on Twitter, there are other people that you can ask certain questions or ask certain requests, and for me. It doesn't work that way because my fucking brain doesn't operate the way the average person's does or regular people do or sane humans. For instance, you can ask somebody to pick a top five something and it doesn't drive them insane. My brain starts screaming if you ask me to pick a top five anything. Especially something that I'm an expert in, that I have knowledge of extensively. What you're essentially asking me to do is, especially with how my brain works. Okay, now let's say you go to a library, right? And you're talking to a 12-year-old who's been going to that library for hmm, a couple of years. And you ask them, what are their top five favorite books? They haven't read every book in the library, so they're going to be going off of one or two, maybe three sections. And they can easily tell you what their top five favorite books that stick out in their memory is. When you ask me for a top five something, what you're essentially doing is you're telling me somebody you're saying to somebody who's read the entire fucking library. Hey, why don't you isolate all this shit in your brain and pick out five? Over the past 40, you can remember, you can remember, clear as day, 40 of your 40 years of life. Pick five things. That is a fucking chore. That is an impossible exercise. Let's put it this way. When I, um, when I had my uh, site, uh, Bastard Swordsman, I decided to undergo a project that was nothing to me. I listed the top 100 rap songs that were most influential to me in my formative and my young formative years. So that was, I think I went from 1979 to 1983. That was somewhat easy for me to do. The problem was I felt like I left out some songs that I really think could have been included. But a hundred rap, a hundred rap songs that personally, to me, influenced me the greatest of my formative years, 1979, 1983. That's something that I could do. But it's not something you would ask me to do. It's something I would do of my own volition. It's something I would have to search myself and do. So a labor, that would be a labor intensive question to ask me to do that. But I could do something else. 
Things of that nature, I'd have to want to do myself. And it's like when people ask me, hey, what are your thoughts on this? If I had thoughts on this I wanted to share, it's likely I already would have. If it's not something I personally don't give a fuck enough about or think I have enough of a unique perspective or I'm just going to be adding to the noise, I'm not going to comment on it at all because your opinion isn't always needed. When you're somebody who is inside their own head a lot and think a lot, you do a lot of philosophizing and a lot of thinking on different things. And one of the th- and if you're hyper aware like I am, one of the things you're always thinking about is do I need to always interject? Is there someone else who's better suited, who knows more, who can better explain or 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 discuss this particular thing? Or has a perspective on it because they're more passionate about it and actually care. And in that case, I'm going to point to that person to elevate them. I don't need to always interject or give my perspective. When you're somebody who's always in their fucking brain and overthink everything, there's nothing that you love more than the opportunity to not have to think. Or to just feel. That's why I love music. That's why I love art. Because everything isn't fucking science. Everything isn't a formula. Everything isn't math. Sometimes it's just intuitive. Sometimes it's feeling. It's like um, cooking. When I was young, being in the kitchen with my mom, all the family members cooking something... They're seasoning food. Now, growing up, I used to look at recipes. Recipes give you a dash of this, a tablespoon of this, two cups of this. Bring this to a boil at this temperature. When you're in the kitchen with brown folks cooking, whether it be your aunts, your mom, your grandmother, your dad, your uncles, your cousins, Whomever, you realize the difference in cooking and how it's feel and it's memory, sometimes muscle memory, sometimes actual memory. I know when I made this on this date and I did this. It had this taste and this reaction from people who ate it. Therefore, I'm going to adjust it and I'm do this. Or I cook this this way and now I'm going to do it like that from now on because that's what people reacted to or that's what people loved. It's feel. And then response. That's the beauty of cooking. That's why when we look at the Experience in America of immigrants, a lot of it has to do with restaurants or 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 shops, corner stores.
when we talk about memory and how my memory works, I remember things from my childhood and my youth that don't exist anymore. That can drive you fucking insane. I walk down the street from where I presently live to my old neighborhood, which isn't too far, like two blocks down, really, on Mass Ave. I can stand on the corner of Mass Ave and look towards Tremont Street, and I know that used to be Brown's Market. Brown's Market was a family-owned market, was operated by Mr. Brown and his wife, Mrs. Brown, and that store was there forever. Okay? Forever. And next to it was a dentist. The dentist I went to for the first 21 years of my life. Neighborhood dentist. Black guy. Graduated from uh, Boston State College. I'll never forget that plaque on his wall. This is what I'm telling you. I remember his face. He's the guy who gave me my checkup before I went to Morgan State in January 1996. I went there December 1995. All right. This is how my memory works. I remember Marty's, which was the liquor store on the corner. And my mom knew the owner, a guy named Marty. I don't know what the liquor store was called. All I know is that in the neighborhood, everyone called it Marty's. If we cross the street, there was a spot, the best roadie shop in town, Jamaican restaurant. I have never had a roadie that compared to there since it left in the early 90s. Okay, I still remember the smell. Next to it was George's Barbershop. I went to George's Barbershop until I, my brother and I bought our own clippers. That was probably, what, 1993, 94? Yeah, so like, I think 93 was the last year. No, 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 no. I stopped going to George's in 91 because my big brother and his boy Ron and Sean used to give me haircuts. They used to give me fades, bald fades. So, George's Barbershop. If I was to Google George's Barbershop, I'll find nothing about it. It's like it never existed. But everything's supposed to be on Google. Nothing. If I was to try to find out what Marty's liquor store was called, do you know what I have to do? I have to go find somebody who grew up in the neighborhood, who lived in the neighborhood back in the day. Who could actually tell me what the fucking liquor store was called. Or I would have to go either to the library or city hall and find records of what was at that location 30 years ago. I can't Google it. I won't find it. So when I'm always asked about why am I down on when people try to Google and search online for everything, because everything isn't fucking available online. And someone with my memory struggles with that on a daily basis. But back to things that deal with feel as opposed to math. I love sports. A lot of times people want to reduce sport 
to statistics or a stat. In baseball, they want to reduce the entire sport to war, W-A-R. And I feel like doing that is why the MVP award vote went the way it did. J.D. Martinez should have been in contention for the AL MVP award. Mookie Betts was going to win it regardless because in baseball, they have this weird thing where only position players can win certain awards. A DH can't because they don't play defense. But this also falls in every different category because everything is everything with film. Certain films in certain genres can't win certain awards. There's a stigma. Whereas if you were to make an animated film, an animated film cannot appeal to adults and win the best film or the best picture award because it's animated. And that doesn't happen. Or if you make a black film, it has to be based in um, some type of struggle or trauma in order to get the Academy's um, consideration to be a Best Picture Award. There are all these rules and all these guidelines that go against feel or intuitiveness. It's also one of the reasons why we have snobbery or elitism because things have to follow a certain guideline or be in a certain way or or be presented in a certain manner before they're considered elite or top shelf or whatever the fuck it's the same reason why um you can have Chinese food or Thai food or Cambodian or Indian or what have or any type of ethnic food you can imagine and it's considered in the cheap eats category or when you go there you expect to get like a deal but you, you you fully expect to go to a uh, French or an Italian restaurant, and if the prices are high, then that's that's all well and good. It, it's it's supposed to be like you you expect that, but if you go to a high end spot that charges that much of these other ethnic cuisines, you're gonna give the fucking people's eyebrow. Why? Because. Those particular ethnic cuisines or that food has been deemed down here, not it's subconscious. You're not supposed to have to eat this food and pay high end prices. And a lot of it has to do with conditioning. Now, these are things I think about all the time. And when you deal with my someone with my brain and I, all I do is think, 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 and I often overthink and I'm always in my head. I'll do things like 
damn, I haven't done this podcast in a while. I have to do another episode of the podcast. Let me check the numbers on the podcast. Do these numbers mean that people don't like the, the last episode of the podcast sucked? Overthinking. Maybe I need to do, do another episode. Maybe I need to talk about something different. Maybe I need to do this. I'm just overthinking it as opposed to just doing the fucking podcast naturally and feeling. Even right, na- right now while I'm talking, I'm second guessing every fucking word coming out of my mouth. I'm almost stopping myself from pressing the button and recording again. But my brain's telling me, motherfucker, you're 21 minutes in, damn near. Just keep going. Worry about it at the end. Even when I'm done with this podcast and I press the stop button and I'm trying to come up with a fucking title for it, I'm going to be thinking that I should delete the shit. But I'm also thinking... It's 11 o'clock in the morning and I'm not going to spend another 45 minutes to 50 minutes talking into a fucking cell phone when there are people texting me right now asking me questions about if I'm going to be somewhere or if I want to appear somewhere or if I want to do something right now as I'm talking to this phone. So I totally understand that there are people that... They get burnt out of the creative process and they need to take a break because they're constantly cranking out, and I hate this term, content or material. But also because they're slaves to the community or the fan base or whomever they're trying to appease. Because it's all about the views and the new subscribers and whatever algorithm and whoever the algorithm favors for whatever reason. And it's super fickle. So again, even though I'm forced to look at numbers, I don't really put that much value in them, even though. So what I have to do when I look at numbers And the difference between what people in sports do, they make the certain numbers all important. But when I look at the numbers, I realize that they're just what they are numbers. Now, when people come up to me on the street and and say that or they loved they listen to the podcast or they loved when I did a certain podcast or when I get a tweet from somebody saying, thanks for doing this episode. I value that because it validates me second guessing myself as I'm talking into a fucking iPhone. And another reason why people have been asking me is like, why do you keep saying that you're talking into an iPhone? Because I want people to understand exactly what I'm doing. This isn't some this isn't some Herculean task that I'm doing. I'm basically talking into an iPhone. And I'm pacing in my living room. That's it. There are a lot of people that want to make you think that what they're doing is more than what it actually is. I'm not saying that this podcast is trash because of it 
or I'm not saying that I'm great because I can actually talk into I can bullshit and talk into an iPhone for 45 minutes and have a podcast at 25 different places, um, 25 different distributors. I'm just saying, okay, let me give, give, give you some background. When you're in the space of um, media, especially particularly me and like rap media. One of the biggest things coming up through the blog era were people faking it until they make it. And this is before there was even um, Instagram. I'm talking back in the days of TwitPic. You would hop on social media and you'd present yourself as being successful when you were pretty much entry level or like you were balling when the fact of the matter is you're crashing on somebody's couch in New York and you upload pictures of you with some in some event or in some record label or with some famous person when the fact of the matter is you got buzzed in because you're interviewing somebody who signed to the label and you're going to take full advantage of the free food there because you haven't eaten today. Because you spent all your money to fucking travel to that spot. That's why you need to go to you need to be at every single event possible. Every event with free food in an open bar, every listening, everything. That's how you're gonna eat. And hopefully you get recognized enough and get enough pictures where someone puts you on and someone gives you free shit. Because you take a picture with the free shit, then you sell the free shit so you can eat. And a lot of these people were fucking miserable, but they were putting up this this image and they were putting out and they were putting out to the world that they were balling and they were living the life. And everybody wanted to go to New York and be like them. And what happened is a lot of people went to New York to try to live that life that they lived. And they ended up fucking broke, depressed and going back home. Broke and depressed with a whole bunch of stories of trauma. Because somebody sold them a fucking pipe dream and lied. When you're comfortable in your own skin with who you are and understand who and what you are, you don't feel the need to lie to impress people. And also, you understand the value of telling the fucking truth in certain situations. One of the reasons why... I tell people I'm talking into an iPhone when I do this podcast. I don't have an elaborate setup. I'm not in an office. I didn't set up an appointment to record here. In the future? Yeah. I'm going to do professional shit. But right now, this is what it is. The podcast is called Dart Against Humanity for a reason. I wanted to make sure that before I do anything else or make any changes to the format or pick the, pick the different direction or a different topic or idea for what this podcast is, I wanted to make sure that it was my voice. I've said before the podcasts have different different um purposes behind them or whatever, but I really wanted to establish that it's my podcast. And if you're hanging around, it's because of me and my perspective and 
all the shit that I know about, blah, 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 blah. That being said, I feel like I actually want to talk about something because I just feel like I've been yammering. So I guess the rest of this podcast, I'm actually going to talk about something that makes sense. So I'll talk about something that I was actually working on, but I didn't get to do because I got the opportunity to do something else. And going further in this month and damn, Thanksgiving's almost coming up. I'm going to be doing that. There's a lot of writing projects that I'm doing. Okay, so what I wanted to do was I wanted to originally do a piece for November about the evolution of Madden culture. And I was trying to figure out where I would land it, where I would put it, who would take it, who would buy it. And I didn't feel like anybody would really buy it. The idea behind it was between 1992 and 93, a subculture emerged around a video game that video game being madden now i need to explain to you something how this all happened first of all we all know what the fighting game community was born from uh the early days of uh 1987 around double dragon and the first street fighter but they exploded about five years later with the emergence in the arcade of two games um, Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat the thing about Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat was when they became home ports you had people who played the game at home and became adept at it but then you had people who played it in the arcade and were really good at it and then the two would meet both in home or in in different places where a crowd would form a crowd would would form and watch them compete against each other tournament style both in the arcade and wherever you could imagine and then there was this meeting of the arcade player versus the home console the home console player now in the case of uh Madden culture there was no Madden in the arcade. All right. Madden culture evolved from Tecmo Bowl on NES. Now, I need to remind you, Tecmo Bowl and arcade fucking sucked. There were arcade games about football and they were trash. Um, Touchdown Fever by SNK, fucking trash. Um, Tecmo Bowl and arcade, fucking trash. Um, I believe there was a... In December 1990... There was a game that came out called High Impact Football in the arcade. It was trash. Everybody was white. Nobody was... No individuality. There were no specialists. There weren't people faster than each other. Nobody had names. Nobody had numbers. You just fucking stood back, threw the ball. You ran it. You didn't have a super fast receiver. You didn't have a fast cornerback. Nothing. It was trash. And then there was Super High Impact that came out September 91, which was the like ramped up version of it it was fucking trash it was it was super trash now when Tecmo Bowl came out for the NES in February 1989 eventually it caught on it didn't catch on initially probably between spring and summer 89 is when it exploded 
And the thing is that people began to master it. And once the summer came around, cats wanted to like have tournaments or challenge each other. And since so many people played Tecmo Bowl, it drew crowds. So there was a community around Tecmo Bowl in Boston. My brother, his friends, my friends, we all had our little tournaments at different people's cribs or whatever. And, you know, if you were really good at Tecmo Bowl, you called yourself a techmologist around here. Now, much like the fighting game community, what you do is you... um. You pick your team or you pick your main characters. In the fight game community, you have your main, then you have your secondary character and your ter- tertiary character. Same thing with Tecmo Bowl. Tecmo Bowl, you have your main team, but then you have your secondary team. In case you know you want to play somebody and want to use that team or you flip a coin or whatever, fine, I'll use that second team. Then you had the tertiary team, which is like in the fight game community, when you pick a low tier character to show that you're expert, show your expertise in it, and you whoop somebody ass and it's like embarrassing them. Same thing with Madden. Or same thing with Tecmo Bowl. You had your third tier, your low tier, low tier team, which usually meant that you played with like Dallas. Or somebody like that, you know. And you whoop somebody's ass with Dallas and it's like, damn, you're nice. Dallas is trash. All they got is one dude. So what happened with Madden was... Okay, so here's what's crazy about Madden, right? The first Madden came out um, December 1990 for Genesis, and then it came out for Super Nintendo in November 91. So there was a leap between those two console console um, fan bases with their first Madden, right? But here's the thing. Madden Football 92 came out for Genesis in November 91. Then you had Madden um, Football 93, I think it came out November ninety, November December ninety two for both um Super Nintendo and Genesis. Now here's the thing: all of these games, none of them had NFL licenses, so it was Denver or New York, but it wasn't the Giants and it wasn't the Broncos. And you might have seen the colors, you might not have seen the colors. And the quarterback would be number eleven or number seven throws the ball to number 34, number 85, and then they get tackled. No names, no logos, nothing for years. This all changed when Madden NFL 94 came out. And um, so Madden NFL 94 comes out for Super Nintendo and Genesis, right? It's the first Madden game with a full NFL and NFL PA license. That means the National Football League Players Association. So that means you can use names, likenesses, numbers, and team logos, and team colors, and fields. And you can make likenesses of the coaches. This changes the entire fucking game. And this drops um, November 19th, 1993. So it comes out right around Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving 1993. This is super important. And also another thing that pushed Madden culture even more is two more games came out around the same time. Uh, NFL Football 94 with Joe Montana, also known as Joe Montana's Football, dropped for Genesis, I think, the week before. So that would be like November 12th, 1993. So that was available. But the big push 
was that on um, November 19th, 1993, for the um, Genesis, I believe that came the came out the week after um, Joe Namath's um, NFL Football 94, Bill Walsh's College Football comes out. Now, Bill Walsh's College Football, it didn't have the full license, so it was kind of like the old the Madden from the year before. But the reason why it was big is because it allowed you to play with historic um, college teams. Pitt 80. Florida 84. You couldn't say University of Notre Dame, so you had to use South Bend. You couldn't say Texas A&M, so it had to be like College Station. Auburn could still be Auburn. Or South Carolina or some shit like that. You know, but Alabama, I can't remember what what, what they use for Alabama. I think they use like fucking Birmingham or some shit. But you had all of these teams and it played just like the new Madden. But you just didn't have names. But you knew who everybody was. So you knew when you were hitting someone with Ronnie Lott. When you were using USC. You were hitting people with Ronnie Lott. You knew when you were using Tony Rice. You know. You knew you were throwing with Joe Montana. And having those games at the same time come out. It led to people. Here's because here's the thing with gaming. Their games that are just luck based. Boo. Then there's there are games that rely on you actually putting in the man hours and practicing and learning its ins and outs, and it rewards skill players. And the more and more and more you play. The more situations you thrust yourself into, the better you get at head-to-head play. This is another reason why I loved gaming. Because it was a thing where you had to do it. You had to get your hands dirty. That's why I love digging for records. Because all of that memory from seeing records and losing records and hearing records and knowing stuff about the artists and going to different record stores... And gathering all this knowledge. To me, it's the same as when I used to go and play basketball and watch basketball games. It's all a feel thing. It's not fucking math. It's why part, it's a big reason why I love gaming. These cats would play this game versus each other, challenge different people. It was like when back in the days when people used to go to different hoods and battle each other. Whether it be as b-boys or as MCs or DJs. Going at each other's cribs and battling each other for fucking equipment. Yes, that happened. So it was just another thing to cap. Or when motherfuckers used to cap on each other, I have like snap battles. They call it roasting now. It all fell in line with the same culture. So cats would start playing Madden and they would try to see who the nicest was. And this culminated in, in the source. They had this um, article called Madden Bowl. And they brought in some of the most prominent MCs on the scene 
to battle each other in Madden. And a lot of them played Madden against each other all the time because, again, when you're nice, you play the best and everybody was friends in New York. So it was Master Ace, who used to always play with the Philadelphia Eagles. Then you had um, Cotty, who was down with, um, with Curious. Curious, who used to always play Madden, he even said in a song, Mansion of Yacht, he used to play Madden with X, Sadat X, so Sadat X was nice, so he was in the tournament. And you know, there's just like a lot of MCs that were really nice in Madden, and the story goes that the source had another another Madden battle the year before, I believe, but this is the one where it blew up. Largely because you could actually play with the team as opposed to a facsimile of them. And starting from 25 years ago, beginning November 19th, Madden culture has exploded into what it is now. You have Madden tournaments with big pots. You have world ranked players people are pros and playing Madden it have been for a while but esports is so big now that if I was the, if I think about cats entering a Madden tournament back in the days and how much money they'd win versus now motherfuckers have sponsorships off playing video games Motherfuckers just want to win a case of Doritos. Some Pepsi. Enough money to go and buy some Adidas. But yeah. I have all these notes. And all this fucking research on the evolution of Madden culture. And I never got to write it or pitch it to anybody. For money, and the th- other reason why I kind of uh, la- was lax on trying to push it was that I didn't think I was going to get money that was worth all the fucking research I did for this goddamn article, which I was gonna write, not knowing if anybody was even gonna care or read it. Actually, that's the bullshit. I knew that if the way I wrote it, what I brought to it, and I was going to be able to bring it to somebody that there would have been eyes on it. But what I really wanted to do is I wanted to interview certain people. And it was weird because, of course, Master Ace, he doesn't watch the NFL anymore because he's pissed off about, um, well, a lot of people are, about um, the whole shit that happened with, you know, the kneeling and and fucking and the NFL pretty much telling players to behave and and don't kneel and the whole fucking debate debate around all this other shit that happened with the NFL so it was a touchy subject anyway and I really wanted to like get people's perspective and I was looking at the people I wanted to interview about it and the depth I wanted to go into it and I'm just like I'm gonna overdo this and it's not going to, and I'm going to have to wait for the money. So luckily, other opportunities came up and I was able to not have to even do it. So basically, I just spat out all this fucking details about an article I never wrote. 
for y'all. And y'all might not even appreciate the shit care. But I will say that you know when I'm really busy. Because I don't tweet anywhere near as much. And I don't post on Instagram. That's how you know when I'm really busy. And I just check. And again, numbers come up when you have a fucking check next to your name on Twitter. All these analytics and things just pop up. So I saw like, damn, I haven't been tweeting too much this month at all because I've been busy as fuck. But also, I've been neglecting Instagram entirely. That's how you know I'm working. And I think another way you know is that it took me so long to do a fucking episode of this podcast. So here's what's crazy. This is episode 32. 35 will be the last episode of season two, as I said before. It's looking like the last episode of this um, season is going to be uh, the first week of December. Likely, we're going to take a break after that and we'll be back likely... February, maybe March, because again, if these things happen and I'm able to make some announcements about some life changing shit in the next couple months, then you'll understand why I'm going to have to take a break. But again, I work fast, so I'll be back relatively soon. But also there's a, there are a lot of great things in the works life changing things in the works and that's good because as somebody who's been blogging and I fucking I hate just saying it was like a jagged it was like a jagged knife just fucking just blogging uh, someone who's been writing online yeah that's a nice way to say it and grinding and doing all these things I fucking I've done consultation I've been an A&R. I own a label. I'm staring at some of the releases from that label right now. Owning a label, there's a lot involved with it. I know a lot of people who own labels, and I go to their crib, and I can see vinyl and tapes and boxes in their living rooms. Label ownership. But... I've had about 12 lives in this game. And hopefully I'm able to, you know, ascend, make that next step, get some fucking security. Actually be able to get insurance or actually, no, it's not in Massachusetts. Everybody has insurance. So let me not lie. But like the good insurance. With dental. No. Like be employed. Like get regular checks. Not like. You get an email about. A deposit. Or the bank sends you a text telling you that yo somebody just gave you some money. Like regular money. You know, not busting your ass just to get a check and creating the market to be able to have enough value to be able to want somebody to give you a check. That's what I'm working on. 
this is funny because I'm trying to figure out how to end the podcast. Not only that, while I'm trying to figure out exactly how I want to end it, I'm trying to figure out what in the fuck I'm going to name this. Oh, also, um, just a reminder. There's that. I don't remember what the fuck it's called, but you can support the podcast monetarily. I don't know if they do an announcement. All I know is that it makes you sign up for it once you get a certain amount of um, followers or views or plays or whatever the fuck. So do what you want with that. I'm not going to push it. If you want to put a review up on um, iTunes, go ahead and do that shit. If you don't, whatever the fuck. As long as you're listening, that's all I care about. And as I'm doing this in my brain, I'm wondering if this was even a fucking worthy podcast to record. Hopefully I said something that did something worthy of me blabbing on for fucking 49 minutes. Whatever, man.